0: You are the confidence builder. Lord, you are indeed the wind in our sails. You cause our directions to go in the right way. We thank you, Father, that Lord, that you have gone before us. And yet you come also after us. You are our our protector. You are our strength. You are our Father. And we thank you today. We bless you. I just wonder, while we're just in this state, Lord, we lift up before you this morning sons and daughters and uncles and aunts, cousins, brothers, sisters, people who, Father, who have yet to taste and see that the Lord is good. We lift them up. We have prayed for them, and we stand in the gap for them again today. Father, they're your children. You love them. You want them grafted into your family line. And so, Father, we intercede, Father, lift lift them up, lift names up to God right now. We lift them before you right now, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you no rest until your spirit comes and touches their lives. In the precious name of Jesus Christ. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. For about 20 years, I was used to preaching 150 messages a week, a year, a year, a year, a year, a year yeah, 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 a year. A- and uh, I guess I've got out of the groove of that a little bit in the last few years, a couple of years at least. And Garen has asked me to share the word today. So I hope, while I may not have the same, thank you, Joe, I hope that you hear my heart today and that it does something, it does something, uh, that some of you may just say yes and amen to, and some of you may say, wow, I've never realised that before. So I want to do a couple of things, if I may, this morning. Firstly, I want to read to you of a little story. And then I want to read from the book of John, uh, Dan. That's where we'll be heading, book of John, chapter 6. And then I'll try to, and, and it's just quite a provocative scripture. It's one of the scriptures in the Bible that actually drives people away from Jesus. He came to pull people to him. But some of the things he says actually compels people to go the other direction. So I want to look at that. And then I want to unpackage that a little bit. But in the hope that we'll grow stronger, we'll feel more, not just more secure. But, you know, you don't always have to know what the will of God is. is, God's will is he's around you. And wherever he is, you're in his will. You know, I don't want to unpackage that too much today. But I want to encourage you, if you feel, should I do this? Should I do that? When you fully understand who you are with the Lord, you'll have confidence to have a go. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You hearing me this morning? All right, so let me just unpackage the story. Where's the clock? There it is. Here is a book. Uh, Garen has seen this book. It's called Mary Wade to Us, a family history from 1778 to 1986. 1986 was when this book was published. Now, this book was put together by Margaret's auntie, who, if she was still alive today, she would be about 120 now, she never married. She was a spinster, and she was an educator. She wrote the science books that most of us grew up with. You know the big blue science books? She was the author of those science books, and we grew up with that. She was a very intellectual lady, and, um, and about... Uh, 10 years before the publication of this book, she decided she wanted to follow her, find out everything there is to find out about her family tree. And so she commissioned in excess of $100,000. To get the information together, let alone publishing the book, and so this book is full of amazing documents, and it goes right back to this little lady here by the name of Mary Wade. And Mary Wade was 11 years old. She stole a piece of garment in the UK, and she was put on she was put on a ship uh, called the Lady Juliana. I think it's in the second second fleet that came out here, and uh, at the age of 11. Uh, she, she was sent to Australia for f- stealing something. But the bottom line is, uh, Mary is often referred to, for the older folk that understand history, as the mother of Federation. She was the mother of Federation because she had more kids than any other woman that come out on the Lady Juliana. And, uh, you see, and we have discovered through this research that Margaret's is in this family line tree of Mary Wade. Garen is in the family line tree of Mary Wade. Ella and Mia are in the family line tree of Mary Wade. Guess what? I am not. That was a shock to me. For a few years, we have been going to family reunions and looking at the line of family of Mary Wade and particularly a man called Jonathan Brooker. Jonathan Brooker, as anyone lived in the Illawarra, you'll notice the name of a mountain there called Broker's Nose. His name was, in fact, Jonathan Broker, and that was named after him. That's where he lived, but they, for one reason or another, they changed their name to Brooker rather than Broker. But we go back and we look at length about the Illawarra, where the settlement of our family, Margaret's, I can't say our family line, because I'm not in it. Margaret's family line, Garen's family line, come and settled in that part of the world. And uh, Margaret and uh, her brothers and other relatives, cousins, and they would come together in Yass every year and discuss the things that only bloodlines wanted to discuss. And then a photograph was taken one day, So can we all get a photograph? So I thought, this is great, you've heard this me say this once before, and I stood up to get into the photo as naturally I would and um, humble people love to be in photos and, and, uh, and, uh, and one of the brothers said no, 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 just the blood uh, and I, I didn't dawn on me, well, I've been going to this reunion for years, I, I've married to my wife for 42 years, we have children together, I've watched my brother-in-law's children they, 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 and yet and they said no, 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 you're not blood and that shocked me to pieces. And it really shocked me for a long time. And I realised my son is blood. My grandchildren are blood. But Cassia and I are not. That is absolutely an indictment to me. And I was shocked by that, uh, that I'm not in the family line. But as time goes by, I want to read to you. This is what I've brought you. I've set that little introduction to say this. Margaret had to stand up in front of the clan. And so, as only Margaret does, she writes everything she's about to say. I would never go down that, right, down that, down that line. But I'm going to read to you what Margaret re- read out at this reunion just two years ago. It's the story of John Brooker. And it relates to his great-great-grandson, Stephen Walton, which happens to be Garen's brother. When Stephen was 12 years of age, his, his parents, Ray and Margaret, moved from Canberra to Wollongong, where they became the lead pastors of a small Pentecostal church in the suburb of Berkeley. Before leaving Canberra, Margaret, that's my wife who's out teaching Sunday school this morning, before leaving Canberra, Margaret had a dream about a school in Wollongong which had a creek running through it through the playground. Being a school teacher, she assumed that maybe there might be a job for her in that school. This never eventuated. Living in the, uh, uh, yet living in the Illawarra always felt like coming home to Margaret. I want to say something to you. I have never heard this, Margaret, ever speak about this until the day she read it out. One day, a teacher friend, at, uh, a friend of Margaret, asked her if she would pick her up for she was w- working at a school in Unandera. As soon as Margaret arrived at the school... She had a strong feeling that this was the school in her dream, especially as it had a creek running through the playground. Maybe uh, maybe sometime in the future, Margaret thought, there would be an employment there for her, but this never, ever happened. Many years later, Stephen, who had a science degree from Wollongong University, was married to a local Wollongong girl. When Stephen finished uni, it happened. he happened to find uh, that his science degree didn't offer many opportunities. However, it did open an opportunity for him to work on a property in Robertson where he worked for three years. During these three years, he did further study and received an education or teaching education degree. And after that, he and his wife, Renee, left Wollongong and went to to teach in a high school on the outskirts of Orange. Now, some years later, Stephen was encouraged to apply uh, his science teaching degree to come back into the Wollongong area and teach at Cedars Christian School. And over the course of several years, he became the deputy and then the principal of that school, uh, and that's all a part of this dream package of Margaret. Margaret. And here's the connection between John Brooker and Stevens, the great great grandson. Early in 2015, the school, under Stevens' leadership, managed to purchase a quarter of an acre of land adjacent to the school. The school had always been used, the land had always been used by the school, but they eventually purchased it for $250,000. That very week, Stephen was walking through the school and he heard some of the teachers speaking uh, to the children about the olden days and their ancestors. So he popped into the classroom and he started to tell them a little bit about Mary Wade. Stephen has a copy of this book. He understands some of the stories. And then he went home that night and he decided he might do a little bit more research. He discovered that John Brooker, Mary's son, had purchased land in Unundera, over the area called Charcoal Creek, the very creek that runs through the school playground, that was purchased by John Brooker for one pound many years earlier. And here he is, coming back to the school, working out the sums 160 years later, and told the children, had he had purchased the whole lot, it would have cost one million dollars. The children didn't think anything of it because they already thought that Stephen owned the school anyway. Every year, the children now, listen to this, every year, the children, after studying the history of Charcoal Creek, plant a cedar tree by the edge of that creek. Now, that area was fully wooded. And it took years and years and years to clear the trees out so it could be used for whatever it wanted to be used for. Now, let's just... Margaret wants to just return to the story of Stephen planting. Cutting a long story short, the very type of trees that John Brooker was pulling out of Cedar Creek, which ran through the primary school that Stephen purchased, who his mother had a dream about some years earlier, Stephen spent three years planting 30,000 of the same trees near Jonathan Brooker's property in Robinson. Now, you might say, what has that got to do with? I want to say to you, there is power in bloodline. There's power in heritage that follows through family lines. And uh, I'll say that and I'll come back to it in a little while. But I'd like us to pray and then we'll read the scripture that uh, I mentioned to you in John chapter 6. Heavenly Father, this morning, Father, I pray that you would help to open our heart to these provocative scriptures that, that cause many disciples to walk away from Jesus. Lord, there is such power in the truth of the word of God, and I pray our hearts would be open to it, and you will assist us to be able to stand on this world and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray, amen. Now, let's look at John chapter 6 for a minute. Let's put it a little bit into context. We know from the book of John. In in fact, in the book of Matthew, the very opening of of the New Testament, Matthew starts to record bloodline. Matthew starts to open up the whole of the New Testament. I talk about genealogy. In fact, if we go all the way back through the Bible, it seems to be very important, uh, a genealogy. An understanding, not so much, so much where you come from, but what flows through your veins. That's the important key. Now, you've got to understand, remember, I'm not a part of this bloodline, but I've got some news for you. There is another bloodline, which I have become a part of. There is another bloodline, Joe, that you have become a part of. There was a story, and I think it's in Chronicles, where, where David and all these men came back and, and David made a decree that, you see, he was fighting war against Saul and Jonathan's bloodline. And he said, if there's anyone of the bloodline of Saul and Jonathan, they, we, they will survive and will care for them for the rest of their life. And David had a blood covenant with Jonathan. He had a covenant with Jonathan and said, I will look after you, and Jonathan said, and I will look after you and your family line forever. And we know the story of a little man who was a cripple, and his name was Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth was just a nobody going nowhere. He he thought he was from a bloodline that no one cared about anymore, no one was interested in. In fact, when he knew David was coming back and all of his men of war coming back, he hid himself. But David knew, he understood the power of bloodline. David was referred to in bloodline on many occasions throughout the Old and the New Testament, particularly in the book of Matthew. It says, from the days of David, Matthew starts to unpackage the bloodline uh, right through to Jesus. And, and, and they finally found there was, there was one man. He thought he was going to be executed. He thought he was going to be killed. And David got him and he elevated him in his house. It's like a a story of what Jesus can do when he can take a hold of somebody like just an ordinary person like you and me. And somehow through the package that we're going to see in John chapter 6 in just a moment, he wants to elevate us into, into his family estate because of our bloodline. The Bible says all life is in the Blood, it's in the blood. You know, it doesn't matter whether I lose an arm or a leg or a limb or I have a high education or a low education. It's got nothing to do with life. Everything to do with life flows through the blood. Blood. And and we know the story that Jesus came and he sacrificed his blood. Cassia put it together so amazingly this morning. I hope I can do justice to what she had to say and compliment what she had to say. But it has everything to do with, with a bloodline. Okay, here we go. Let's just read this passage of Scripture. Luke chapter, John chapter 6, coming from verse 53. Thanks, Dan. And as he's putting that Scripture up, the people had seen amazing things. People healed and... Eyes opened and feeding of the 5,000 plus swimming and women and children. There was heaps of And this was right on the edge of this incredible feeding frenzy that took place when Jesus did all those uh, amazing things. And he fed the poor like they'd never been fed. In fact, these poor people were so well fed, there were 12 basketfuls left over. And, and the, nobody missed out on anything. They were full. And then Jesus goes and starts preaching in Capernaum about the, the wonderful things of God. And this is where, it, and, the, and then they started, the, the poor people started think, well, we've had a great feat, a miraculous feed, And they went searching for Jesus again. They couldn't find him. They knew, realized he was on the other side of the lake. And they all gathered around while Jesus is preaching this word. And... Um, and, uh, and they, they didn't want their hearts changed to the kingdom of God. They just wanted more of whatever it is they were getting in the, in the past. Just want more. Sometimes we want Jesus because we just want more. But it's not about getting more. It's about getting him. So he goes on and these are the words that he has to say. I assure you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, You cannot have eternal life within you, or it says in the King James Version, you can't have eternal life within you now. But those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last days. For my flesh is the true food, and my blood is the true drink. For all who eat my flesh and drink my blood remain in me, and I in them. Down to verse 60. Even his disciples, having heard these things, struggled to understand. How can anyone anyone accept it, they said. Jesus knew within him that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see me, the son of man, return to heaven? It is the spirit who gives life, eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you don't believe me. Verse 66. And at this point, many of his disciples turned and deserted him. That that, that When I read that verse, it nearly broke my heart. The, the very son of God himself, he was making declarations of truth, and yet some of his disciples, we're not talking about the Paul that just had a feed. These were followers of Jesus. These were the wholehearted believers of Christ. And, and he quoted something that was so strange and that was so foreign to them yet we on this side of history appreciate what Jesus had to say but but I'd like to suggest to you this morning there are still Christians today there are still denominations today that pull back from these words what I'm just about to open up to you about what Jesus had to say and 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 they'll accept certain they'll accept this thing as partly the word of God because it fits with their mindsets. And they'll reject the other parts of the scriptures that, oh, this is the interpretations of men that have been put down in written form. Some things we'll accept, some things we will not accept. I want to tell you t- t- today either we either accept it or we reject it. It's either true or it isn't true. You might say, what is true and what isn't true? There are three thoughts that Jesus put in here that flip the disciples upside down and cause a great multitude of them to leave him. And they're found in three verses. They're found from verse 53 to 56. I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Or it says in the King James Version, in a couple of other places, Paul puts it this way. You cannot have the kingdom of God within you. You, you know, you're either, you're either in the kingdom or you're out of the kingdom. As Cassius said this morning, there is something powerful about Jesus, this kingdom within or the life of God within. Now, it's not hard for some people to say, oh, well, I can believe in eternal life and, and this, that, and the other. Most people believe in eternal life. Ecclesiastes says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of every man. So we do believe there is an afterlife. The majority of people, even atheists, atheists and, and agnostics, know that there is something. I must say, my my nephew, who I... Sadly, he went to his funeral. He died as a young man, high intellectual uh, young fellow, I knew I was coming for him to talk to him about Jesus. He said, "Stop." He said, "When I die, my matter just goes back to the universe. There's nothing left of me." And I thought, well, you have been one of the, probably in the one percent group of the whole of people who have ever walked upon the, the Earth that, that doesn't believe there's any more. You and Kerry Packer, don't believe there's any more. Kerry said, I've been out there. There's nothing there. And yet he came back. But the majority of people believe there's something after death. They don't believe they finish. Why? Because we we are eternal spirit. We have something on the inside that'll never die. It'll either be with God or it won't be with God, but it'll never die. We all have some sort of appreciation for that. Therefore, it's not quite a hard pill to overcome. So I don't think that is the reason that some of Jesus' disciples left him. It might have been just the beginning of some deeper thought. But the second thing, let me elaborate there a minute. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I was 20 years of age and I was living in Darwin at the time. Garen wasn't even in the family tree. And uh, my dad, I phoned my dad. I said, Dad, I've become a Christian. My dad was living in Sydney. I forgot it was Friday night. It's pub night. And and I told him. And I said, I've become a Christian. And I said, and God lives in me. That's a freaky statement for any Christian to say, God lives. How can God live in me? How can I get this kingdom of God? Wherever the king is, there is his kingdom. Wherever the kingdom is... There resides the king. And and, and so I I knew from the beginning, I I couldn't feel him, but there was something about him. Because my Bible teacher said that you've got something new internal. And uh, there are still Christians today who struggle with the fact that they can have eternal life now. They think, well, I'll get eternal life when I die and go to heaven. But the scriptures don't say that. It says very clearly, Paul says it in in the book of Romans and John says it in in John chapter 6 that he's quoting Jesus, that if you eat my flesh and if you drink my blood, you will have the kingdom, you'll have eternal life within you. Not after you die, but if you participate in what comes out the other side of Calvary, you'll have it now. Yeah? You with me? Am I preaching to the converted? I'll move on. Okay, may not have offended too many of those disciples, but the next thing possibly did, in verse 54. For those who eat and drink shall have eternal life. And then he goes on and says, and I'll raise him up in the last day. Friend, I want to say to you, there is a resurrection coming. And if we are partakers of what, of going through and coming out the other side of Calvary, the, the works of Jesus Christ. He has a promise for us. And that promise is that he will raise us up at the last day. It doesn't matter whether you think, oh, should I be doing this or should I be doing that? And faith is spelt R-I-S-K. And most people think, well, Christians think, oh, if I've got to get it right because one day I, I might go to be with Jesus. I'm not, I've got to get it right. We have churches throughout Europe today that are still collecting a lot of money in the plates called penance and annulments because they want to get it right. They want to make sure that they get it right, Josephine. You got it? And, 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 and so that when that time finally comes and Jesus balances the scales, there's, there's a hope that he'll raise me from the dead at the last day. I want to tell you, that is the greatest lot of crock of all times. The Bible says if we're partakers... In the blood of Jesus Christ and the brokenness of his flesh, he promises to raise us, to raise us. My daughter-in-law Dell passed away in October last year and, and uh, all the way through her three years of battle with cancer, she had not one ounce of worry in her heart as to where she was going. She knew she'd be with the Lord And when that trumpet blew at a certain time, which is outside of time, I might admit, uh, all of a sudden, she, like the rest of the saints, will be caught up with Jesus Christ in the air. What an amazing, what an amazing promise. And these disciples struggled with that. Intellectually, they couldn't get their head around it because their ancestors are all dead. And, and, And they couldn't fully comprehend that one day Jesus could... Raise them from the dead. I want to tell you today, if you can fully comprehend the fact that you will be raised from the dead, you will be more risky for God in this life. You will take greater risks. Some of them may not win. You may not win ground. Some of them you may. It doesn't really matter. It's not important. What is important is that you have a go for God because you have your assurance that you'll be raised with everybody else at the same time for those who are partakers of Jesus Christ. Now, the third thing, and this is the one that probably tipped them right over the edge, in verse 56. All who eat my flesh and drink my blood remain in me and I in them. That is very difficult to comprehend. All who Eat my flesh and drink my blood, remain in me and I in them. Now, I am a twin. I was born, I know my brother's birthday every year. It's not a problem. My brother and I had this intuition that I used to dislike him sometimes because he would get into trouble. And when he got, if he ever got the cane at school, and most of you young people voted that out, if ever my brother got the cane at school, damn it, I felt the pain. True. Truly. If any, anything happened with my brother, I'd say, it was like deja vu. I thought, I've been here before. What is going on? There is something unique in that, that bond. And, and Jesus is saying, there is something unique when you become a partaker Of my body and my flesh, there is something unique that happens between you and me. There's a uniqueness. And all of a sudden, what he's saying is, Ray, you've been grafted into the tree. There's power in the blood. There's something about the blood that starts to happen. I remember when I asked Christ in my life, I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't need to know it. He did. But somehow a a, a merger happened. It came together. And this is where the disciples struggled. And they said, we don't believe this. This is too much to comprehend. And they turned their back on Jesus and left. Friends, there there are men and women in the body of Christ today who are so religious They could not comprehend that because they are still going through the forms and the types of, in the hope that. But the Bible says to us, Jesus will become one with us. Many people think the gospel is made up of old and new. Jesus died for my sins and now I'm living for him. But the gospel is really broken up into four parts. He died for me. He died as me. And we stop, step over into the good stuff. He lives in me and he lives through me. Jesus said, depending on how we live, we will radiate the life of Jesus to unbelievers that they might believe. Uh, he's really saying, guys, when when you and I work this thing called life together, people will come to know me and pre- they'll see me in you. you. They'll see a change. And so this is called, and this is the first time it's ever been recorded in the Gospels, when Jesus makes that statement, it's called mutual indwelling. We have mutually indwelled with Christ. And Christ is mutually indwelled with us. You might say, Ray, that's a little bit hard to really fully appreciate. Well, let's go over into Romans chapter 8. Cassius said this very scriptures this morning. I want to encourage you when you need to fear not, the greater one indwells you. He lives in you. He's made his home with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to work through you. And when these sorts of things become a revelation to us, we'll take more risks. We'll have a lot more confidence. We won't care whether our body's falling away. And we won't wonder why, how come this one gets healed and that one doesn't when somebody prays? It doesn't really matter. The fact is, he's in you. And he's living through you. He's intertwined with you. This is precisely what Mephibosheth had because he didn't earn it. But he was in the bloodline of Jonathan. And here is, here is um, the Apostle Paul saying in Romans 8 verse 1. So now there is no condemnation. How much condemnation is there? None. There is no condemnation that those who belong to Christ Jesus. Why is there no condemnation? Because he doesn't want condemnation inside of you because he wants him inside of you, Joe. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the power of the living, life-giving spirit has has freed you uh, through Christ Jesus from the power of sin and death. That's the first part of the blood of Jesus where he's cleansed us. That's the... That's this side of Calvary. He's taken us right through to the cross. But then he goes on in a moment. But let's go down to verse 10. For since Christ lives within you, even though your body will die because of sin, your spirit will be alive. So some of us are going to have bodies that aren't great. But it doesn't matter. We have the king inside who is great. My daughter-in-law Adele, I mentioned to you, she had a body that was failing her. But she didn't, it didn't matter. Because she had the king within her. You see, that's what builds confidence to keep moving forward. And she said, the spirit of God who raised up Jesus from the dead, what lives in you? He's talking about Christians on the earth today. Now let's go over to the second part of the blood. And from verse 14, for all who are led by the spirit of God are what? Children of God. Nobody could ever call God Father. Jesus was the first one that ever walked on the earth that used to call him Father. It was always by a different name, El Shaddai, the great I Am. He said, but you can call him Father. This is Paul saying, you can call him, they are called children of God. So you should not be like the ones cowering and fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father, or Abba Father. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are children of God. God gives his son, Jesus, and this is the key, this is the key that I was coming to, and since we are his children, we will share with his treasures. You know, Jesus has treasures. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the Son of God. He's there with God. And he's saying that since we are his children, we will share in his treasures for everything God gives to his Son, Christ gives to us. Friends, these three concepts, three little concepts about eating and drinking of his blood, having eternal life with him now, Having the kingdom of God now, having the mutual indwelling now, for some, is too hard to fathom. But I want to encourage you. I'm sure most of you would say, yes, Ray, I've heard all this, I believe this. But there may be some who struggle with these concepts. But my friends, this is what Christianity is truly about. That the kingdom of God has come. The great I am is indwelling. We do have eternal life. There is therefore now no condemnation. These are amazing statements that Jesus is making. And he's saying, he then turns to his 12. And he says to Peter, so what do you say? I'm going to say it today. So what do you say? And Peter said, where else can I go? Who else has eternal life. Would you stand with me this morning? Eternal life is for now. Guaranteed resurrection is for those who genuinely believe in the finished work of Jesus at Calvary. It's guaranteed. And the mutual indwelling of Jesus Christ is for all who believe. Father, this morning, we may not fully comprehend everything that you have done. The works of God are amazing. Lord, that you would open our hearts, open our thoughts, saturate us with a revelation today of these wonderful truths, no wonder Jesus said, as often as you come together, eat and drink this in remembrance of what I have done. Lord, you are. there's nothing you have left out of the package. It is complete. There's no appendix yet to come. It's amazing. Lord, open our hearts and give us the confidence to truly believe all that the Bible says. Give us the confidence to walk forward and have a go in life. Have a go at situations and circumstances. No matter what the outcome is going to be because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not a thing. No matter how far we go, how high or how low. No matter what we stoop to or no matter what we rise to. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Father, we want to walk from this place incredibly confident incredibly proud knowing that we have been that we've been brought into the bloodline of jesus christ that we get to become co-heirs with him partakers with him of the future that is to come lord you are truly amazing to share all of the gifts and all of the wonder that the father has placed in your hand you have chosen to share it with us you are something and you are good in the wonderful name of Jesus Amen
1: Amen I'm just going to sing this last song through, it's called The Table it's about being invited in by Him share that bloodline share that benefits just to be with Him and just as we sing, I just would hope that uh, this would give yourself a moment to seal any sort of word or witness, revelation that's come through His Word this morning. But we're going to take the last five minutes here just to invite the Holy Spirit to come and breathe upon these words.
2: I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore at His table. There is peace at the table of the Lord. Thank you, God. There is peace at the table of the Lord I won't worry anymore At his table
1: Come on he invites you in Come on,
2: you weary Come and find his yoke is easy, His burden light. He is able, He will restore at the table of the Lord. And there is healing. At the table of the Lord There is healing At the table of the Lord I won't suffer anymore
1: At His table Come on, just open your spirit Come all you weary
2: Come and find
1: his yoke
2: is easy, his burden light. He is able, he will restore at the
1: table of the Lord. It's good, he's good, amen.
2: And I know. He has a place for me Oh, what joy could fill my heart With the saints around His mercy see. is easy his burden line he is able he will restore at the table
1: We're going to close the service right there. I hope if you haven't, you did this morning, invite him in. You want to be, have him leading your life, guiding your life. He's good, he's safe, and he's is right. Have a great week. We've got tea and coffee out there and biscuits and snacks. Kids will come running out soon. And so catch up with that person you want to before they do. It's hectic. Have a great week. We'll see you Thursday night. and some prayer and some worship at the olive tree. I'm just going to keep playing, if you, you, you're welcome to come to the front, if you're meeting with God right now, that's, that's fine.